0: On this episode of the This is Believe One podcast, I am joined by the sports editor of the Hillsborough Banner, and she covers the Dolphins for full press coverage. It is Kayla Morton. Welcome.
1: Hi, thanks for having me on.
0: Well, I I figured, uh, you know, the Dolphins are an interesting team. They're an interesting franchise. Uh, They're going through a transitional period, but they seem to have, you know, grabbed their franchise quarterback. Um, How do you feel about, you know, the direction that the team is headed in and do you think that it's going to be a, a slow progression in terms of development or do you think they're going to be able to go a little bit faster than a normal rebuild?
1: Um, I think a little bit of a combination of both. Uh, obviously last year was a little hard to watch especially at the beginning. I mean they signed starters I would end up playing uh, the season opener on that Friday um, and I remember just Listening to the transcripts from Ryan Fitzpatrick telling people how, you know, he was introducing himself to the new guys in the huddle that joined the, that joined the team that day. And uh, you knew right from there that they were going to have issues, not only in two days, but just throughout the season. So, um, I mean, it was obvious the progression that they showed throughout the season, especially in the latter half. But uh, I think, you know, finally, not only as a Dolphins fan, but just covering the team. It seems like for the first time in this decade, this century, whatever you really wanted to talk about, um, the, the general manager and the head coach are working together. And, yeah, I'm sure, you know, they have little birds in their ear about, you know, what fans want. But it seemed like they addressed what needed to be addressed in the draft. And it helped that they had so many picks. But the biggest deal was – drafting an offensive lineman. They took three, and they added two in free agency. So, I mean, yeah, do you want five new guys starting? Not really, but the odds, I think, of all five of those guys being week one starters is low. Uh, I think, you know, there are some pieces on the line that they've had as quote-unquote veterans that, you know, could stay there for a few weeks until some people ease in or stay there even longer. I think it's a little hard to tell, but Just, you know, the Dolphins went after quarterback, like you already mentioned, they traded for a running back and they filled in some big pieces to the puzzle on defense. So all in all, all around, it wasn't like they had a limited amount of picks that they really had to pick and choose where they needed somebody, but they got, you know, offensive utility players too. And Malcolm Perry, I mean, he's probably not going to take a snap at quarterback but he can be a running back he can be your wide receiver he can play on special teams I mean he had such a prestigious rushing career at the United States Naval Academy and uh just you know pairing him with two other running backs that have come in with Jordan Howard and Matt Breida um I could see a three-headed monster I mean obviously that's not good for fantasy but that's good for me as a Dolphins fan and it'll be interesting to cover that Uh, I think you know that can be successful and if they need Perry to you know pop outside and be a receiver. I mean, really, the only sure fact that we know is Devontae Parker. I mean, obviously, Albert Wilson restructured his contract recently so that he could make the team and not be cut because of his high contract and lower production. Um, but, you know, there's some question marks about when Preston Williams is going to return, if Alan Hearns is going to step up into that third role, if Jakeem Grant's going to come off the special teams. Um, so I think, you know, the pieces that they used or the pieces that they drafted could be used very early on. Um, And so while that might take a little bit of a learning curve into effect, a lot of the guys they also got in free agency are veterans. So I think with how Chris Greer and Brian Flores seem to be piecing together the team, it's not going to be as big of a rebuild as people anticipate. And a lot of people forget that this roster who added, I call them window washers, the Friday before the season, they won five games. They Mm -hmm. were not the worst team by far. They beat teams like the Patriots. They beat teams like the Eagles who are going for the division. Sure, you can be like, oh, they, they beat the Colts when they had Brian Hoyer. And it's like, well, Brian Hoyer makes teams like Ryan Fitzpatrick does. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was the winning quarterback in that game. And they beat the Bengals and they blew a huge lead that ended up making their second time in two meetings against the Bengals go to overtime. But they, again, got it done. And it's, it's like if you can get it done with players who the NFL has never even heard of who has no prior experience adding all these veterans it's going to be a huge jump in success
0: yeah i think a very integral part to their success is uh brian flores and his ability to help you know build and establish a culture something that the dolphins have been lacking for a long time and it's it's part of you know the pedigree of coming from new england where he was to miami is that he was actually able to install what he wants he was able to to build something so while a lot of people expected the dolphins to be one of the worst teams in football they still managed to win games while actively tearing down the roster uh, you know as someone who's also a fan and covers a team who did something similar and watched them fail spectacularly in the process <laughs> of trying to win games seeing Brian Flores do it in Miami um it was very impressive
1: i agree and i think that that comes from you know, it seemed as though the Dolphins players were on the same wavelength, understood what Flores wanted to be done. They worked together. They worked harder. They worked smarter. They worked just as a unit. And I feel like in Cleveland, you know, not all the players were on board with Freddie Kitchens. And I mean, it's obvious when Baker Mayfield's yelling at him on the sidelines, if, you know, your leader as a quarterback is not getting along with your head coach, it's hard for me to believe that, Browns players got along with him all the time, bought into whatever he was telling the team, whatever direction they wanted to go. And I feel like the broken chemistry between them is what sets them apart from the Dolphins. Because it seemed as though most of the roster bought in to what Flores wanted to do. And we saw people like Minka Fitzpatrick, who wasn't too sure about being shuffled around. He got shipped off. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he got shipped off, the defense came together more. You didn't see it for a few weeks, but more players got solo tackles. More players also got combined tackles. They started to push the turnover envelope. Uh, They had more broken plays. It's, It's really, you know, watching film once, watching the game live doesn't tell you that. But breaking down, going back through, looking at the box score, seeing who made tackles, being able to piece that together in the game, you saw a huge improvement, I mean, two weeks at a time even. So I think just the players, you know, cleaning house and then getting players on the same page and delegating veteran leaders that deserve those roles, even in a even though the front office was tearing down the team, you can't tell me that those players were tanking. You Mm -hmm. you can't. I will stand I will die on that hill (laughs) and I will fight anybody who tells me that the players or the organization as a whole, were tanking because it's just incorrect.
0: Yeah, uh, completely different from what went down with Hugh Jackson over his first two years, where they managed to go 1-31, uh, <laughs> team actively getting rid of players, and uh, a coach who was clearly uh, in above over his head, <laughs> uh, <laughs> unable to actually manage to win games. The fact that you know Flores was still able to win when his team was doing something similar Just speaks to how good of a coach he is and how good he is at identifying what his players are good at and what they're not so good at and putting them in the right situation to win. Uh, That's something I've gone back and forth with people many times in regards to uh, the Browns under Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson was not able to identify the strengths of his players or weaknesses. Sometimes they might not have a strength, but he knows how to not put them in a position where their weakness gets exposed. And I think a lot of people uh, overlook that uh, factor in being a head coach.
1: I agree.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, th- I think that what Flores has done and what they're doing in Miami is they're getting the right guys there. If you look at their roster, there are a lot of guys there now that have been in New England previously. So they know the deal. They know the drill. They know the way that Flores wants to go about things. Sure, is he going to be a little bit different than Belichick? Yeah, everyone is, but they at least are familiar with his style and what his ultimate goal is, and that's to build a winner and do it the right way, not necessarily, you know, the way that some of the players that are no longer on the roster tried to do.
1: Right, and I mean, a lot of people like to, you know, make the joke that they're now the Miami Patriots, and, you know, when you – when you have 55 guys now that the NFL changed the rule that will make the final roster and you have five guys from new England, I mean, that's not the Miami Patriots. Mm-hmm. You tend to have people in free agency who came from the team. So yeah, it's great that these five guys know the coach, know the style and have, you know, a little bit of an edge above newer guys that they brought in, but you still have 50 players mm-hmm. who, you are not used to that. You have to learn something different. And that's why, you know, when people are like, yeah, they're they're bringing people from New England, they're not overhauling New England's roster. Mm -hmm. That's just not how it's coming. So I think there's a little bit of a misconception about the Dolphins mirroring the Patriots. Um, Obviously, you know, yeah, like you said, Flores is going to be different than Belichick. And I was a little skeptical of him coming in. I knew that he'd been with New England for a long time, but – you know, he jumped around to multiple positions and I was unsure if, you know, he jumped around because he wanted to do that or if he just wasn't succeeding to what New England standards were, but they couldn't get rid of him because he was too valuable of an asset. And now after one year, I like to have a bigger sample size than that. But what he did from the off-season to currently is something that Miami's organization hasn't seen in I can't even tell you how many years.
0: Yeah, they uh, they added some some big time some big time players in free agency. Uh, some players I did not necessarily expect them to add, and it'd be interesting to see how he can help them adapt into their system. You know, they went out, they get Shack Lawson, they get Byron Jones, uh, they even add Emmanuel Ogba, who's a former Browns player. But it seems like they're they're making some moves I didn't expect them to. But you know, adding someone like Ogba is not necessarily all that surprising to me because one of the the strengths of what what guys in New England do is identifying something that someone's good at and making them only do that. So Emmanuel Ogba, dedicated pass rusher.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's something that Miami really struggled with, um, getting pressure on the quarterback. And, I mean, their defense struggled overall. I'm not trying to take away that they could not, you know, play rush defense at all, but... I mean, Agba was a big chunk of the Chiefs' Super Bowl team. Um, uh, You know, the Dolphins, yeah, they signed him for two years, and he only has $7.5 million guaranteed. But like you said, they're bringing him in because he's going to start for Miami. I mean, he tied his career sacks last year with five and a half. Um, He had the second most tackle for losses and quarterback hits in his career. Six and eleven, respectively. So when you pair him with Shaq Lawson, you even if you just had one of those guys, the 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 whole scheme is different for the Dolphins
0: Yeah, they would definitely be a you know, a, be a productive pass rushing group there with you know Lawson and and uh, and you know what they got going on with their linebackers. Their linebackers seem to actually. Be in a in a better state than what uh, you know Cleveland currently has going on because currently they have none, uh, yep. but <laughs> but the linebackers seem to at least be a, a, at least a decent enough group that they'll be able to help with that you know that pass rush with Lawson and Ogba.
1: I mean, I I like the fact that we have Raekwon McMillan in that position. Um, I'm not sure if a Landon Roberts, you know, from New England is going to get the start there, but we'll definitely see him on the field. Um, I'm a big believer in Jerome Baker. I love his leadership um, at the position. I think, you know, that's something to watch to see how he can help all the new people that are coming in. Um, I mean, you have Vince Beagle, too. I was not super sure on that trade that sent... Kiko Alonso over there, I'm a big Kiko fan. I mean, I know he's fallen off a little bit in recent years, but you also have to look at guys they also brought in. I mean, I talked about Roberts, but they brought in um, Camus Greger-Hill, an unrestricted free agent out of Philadelphia. Uh, you know, you have Andrew Van Ginkle still, and it's, it, it seems like finally Miami has more players than they need. They finally have a depth, and, you know, I didn't know who the starters were last year starting in week one. But now I know who the reserves are on the third string, the fourth string, and I'm confident that they can come in and make a play, you know, if somebody goes down. So it's finally reassuring to just be able to take a breath of fresh air. And it's like, you know, we're finally going in a direction that makes sense. You know,
0: another guy they brought in, Kyle Van Noy, another one of those New England guys that knows how to, run things that the way they want to do and can help some of the people that are being brought in or may not be uh, entirely familiar with what to do, just to kind of help them make sure they're in the right place, make the right call. And overall, make sure that the team is working as a cohesive unit. I think that that's another great addition that that, that they made. Again, uh, another New England guy, Miami Patriots, I've gone through the same thing in Cleveland where, you know, when we brought in Mangini and they brought in a whole bunch of Jets players, people called them the Cleveland Jets. You know, so it's the same It's the same thing. But Van Noy is still a good player. I mean, like him or not, like that he came yeah. from New England. He's still a good, productive player, and I think that was a, a great addition for this Dolphins defense.
1: Yeah, I agree. I forgot to mention him, so I'm glad you brought him up. But, you know, it, it kind of tells me that, you know, with the Dolphins – grabbing two linebackers and having three total on free agency, it kind of tells us that either Miami has doubts about the guys that, you know, I'm kind of okay with at the rostered linebacker position um, or just really expects high levels of competition from everybody to earn the starting job. And they know that this is a position that they need to solidify. They need to crack down on. They need to find the guys that are going to be consistent. So I'm okay with having a linebacker battle in camp and, you know, having to cover that week in and week out because there's definitely more people rostered now than what are needed on any given Sunday. And, uh, you know, it can only be exciting, you know, if you're scared or you don't like the fact that, you know, so many roster spots are being given to linebackers and you just don't understand how football works.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, maybe maybe one of the guys is, you know, really good at guarding a specific type of, you know, player on, on another team that you might only see a couple times a year. So maybe in that week, that guy gets a lot more playing time and in some of the other games he doesn't play as much. Or maybe he's, this guy's better in pass coverage than the other guy. There's certain, I guess, ins and outs that we necessarily don't have that information for in regards to how they're going to run and structure their defense. That having this large amount of linebackers and guys that can be versatile will help them adapt to their opponent. And that ultimately will help them win games and you know make see that defense improve.
1: Right, and I think it can only help them with inserting people in for certain plays. I mean, you saw Landon Roberts burn the Dolphins on a thirty-eight-yard trick play touchdown last year. So if you're, you know, while that's while that's funny and while that's frustrating as a Dolphins fan, um, yeah, cool, we have that ability to use him for that now. But if you're the opposing team and you're, you know, you see Miami take inserting new players on every down, how do you guard that? how do you have enough film or how can you predict when a certain player is going to go in a certain position? Because until Brian Flores said, you know, forget it. I'm throwing all the papers out. I'm throwing all your positions out. I'm putting the best 11 guys on defense, no matter what that position is. That's why Minka Fitzpatrick isn't here. He couldn't get on board with that, but I'm sure his mom signed his permission slip now that Pittsburgh wants to do the same thing. And now he's all for it, but uh, I'm just not a fan of Minka. Sorry for that shot. (laughs) But um, I think, you know, if you have the mindset that you want to put the guys on the field, I mean, sure, they're specialized in one position. They played one position most of their career, if not all of their career, but they're not stupid. You're in the NFL for a reason. You practice alongside guys on your defensive unit that, you know, you're right next to on the field. So if you need to transition for a few plays to a different position, it's... I'm not going to say it's an easy transition, but it's not a hard transition.
0: Yeah, and I think ultimately the trade that sent Minka Fitzpatrick to Pittsburgh uh, and you guys getting their first round pick is a win win for both teams. Uh, mm-hmm. Minka seems happy. Uh, you guys got a first round pick to help, you know, revitalize that defense. And um, it's, you know, Pittsburgh's defense took a nice step forward last year uh, for them, uh, much to the dismay of uh, everyone in Cleveland here. Uh, <laughs> I mean once I saw Minka Fitzpatrick was uh, was on the uh the trade block essentially I was like saying I was like pounding the table Browns go do something go get go get Minka yeah. Fitzpatrick from Miami he will make a difference for this defense and he goes to Pittsburgh so we're going to deal with him for god knows mm-hmm. how long and it's going to suck um
1: <laughs> yeah and I mean I'm not I'm not taking away from Minka's skill set but you know, I just have a problem when players feel as though they can dictate, you know, when they get a contract extension, who they play for, you know, what, how the team's going to operate, and I don't want a guy like that in my locker room, so that doesn't take away from, you know, his ability to run 100 yards on a pick six like we saw last year, or it was like 98 or something like that, but Or it doesn't, you know, take away the interceptions that he got against us on Monday Night Football. Or, you know, just the plays that he can make in the secondary for the Steelers. Not discrediting any of that. But when you're rebuilding a program and you have a guy who's like, no, I have one position. That's where you're going to play me. It's like, nope, we're going to ship you out so we can make our team better. And not only did... I mean, I really do feel like we got more cohesive as a secondary once Fitzpatrick was gone. And... The fact that we then got uh, offensive linemen in the draft out of that, you couldn't ask for something better.
0: Yeah, sometimes, you know, personality-wise, guys aren't necessarily a good fit for a group of players or a scheme or a coaching staff, and that could have been Mika Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick's a a very good player. It's just, you know, sometimes personality-wise, it's just not a good fit. I mean, and like it or not, Pittsburgh's one of those places where guys go, they seem to fall into place and you know and you know i can say it definitely for cleveland uh, and miami that those two places have not necessarily been the the best places for players to do that they generally have gone into interesting directions they've gone uh with players that have big personalities and you see them end up somewhere else right or, or just simply not work out and the fact that you guys were able to Ship Fitzpatrick to Pittsburgh, get a first-round pick to, I guess, provide some flexibility money-wise for the, for the long and short term, but also be able to bring someone younger who kill the new coaching staff, new regime, get to buy into what they want to do. I think that's just, I think it'll help you guys in the long run, even though Fitzpatrick's a great player.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh,
0: let's talk about the quarterback situation in, in, in Miami. You know, everyone's excited mm-hmm. about uh, Tua. Um let me tell you, I am not envious of having to spell or pronounce his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, best of luck with that.
1: <laughs> hey, I got a bunch of people who were added on. I mean, Noah Igbenegin. I mean, go ahead and tell me how you think you spell that. I called him Noah C. Anemone until I figured out how to how <laughs> how to how to say it. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, uh, not envious of having to try and pronounce his last name. But... Very high-profile player, very high hopes for Tua. Um, what are your expectations for him, and do you have any concerns for him with his injury history?
1: Um, I mean, I guess if we're talking about injuries, sure. It's in the back of my mind that it seemed like he struggled to put a full season together in college. But, you know, a lot of people have asked me this question more prevalent and more often before the draft when it was a possibility that, you know, we might take him and then reports came out that, Oh, we're Ryan, Justin Herbert, or we might trade up to get a lineman. Like I felt as though those were always smoke screens. Um, I did articles about that. I talked about it on different podcasts. Um, just I'm my mindset with that is the fact that it takes one football play for any football player for their career to end. Mm-hmm. So no matter if you have no injury history or a lot of injury history. Um, that one play is gonna it could happen to anybody, and you know. So I kind of I looked at the positives of him, especially after he posted the videos of his professional day that he held individually. Um, just looking at the way his hips were rotating, the way his ankles are following, you know, the direction of his body. Um, I I'm under the impression that he's he's dedicated and regimented in any rehab that he has to go in. So, while it seems like yeah, he's had these injuries, it could have just been, you know, an unlucky streak. Um because nobody knows when they're going to get injured. Nobody asks to get injured. It's kind of just something that happens. I've gone through so many sports injuries myself and you never know what's going to happen, but you just want to get better. and You want to get back on the field. So what that tells me is that he's been able to come back for each season in college and now get to get ready for the pros after every injury. So maybe, you know, I have a little reservation in hopes that, you know, he'll be able to complete a full season in the NFL, especially when he first starts um, and then throughout his career so that our, our chances, you know, stay high for us to really – grow as a program, compete for titles. Um, but personally, I'm not really worried about his history. Uh, I think I think he's proven time and time again that he's gonna come back from any injury. He, And if he happens to get injured again, I have the confidence that he's gonna do what he needs to do to get back as fast as he can. Um, but as far as expectations go for him this season, I think that he's going to be the backup to Ryan Fitzpatrick, especially when the season starts. Um, I think, you know, his playing time and his entrance to the NFL is really going to depend on how the team is doing overall. If the team is a playoff contender because Ryan Fitzpatrick is under center, they're not going to put Tua Tagovailoa in in week 12 just because you know they want to get him the experience that he can be the starter next season. Um, Now, if it's the flip side and the Dolphins are one of the worst teams in the NFL coming into this season, then yeah, as we get into the second half of the season, even closer to the end, two is absolutely going to be put in the football game. He's going to start a game or two here and there. Uh, He might come in for some halves. I mean, last year, Fitzpatrick would play a half, then Josh Rosen would play a half. Um, But I do know for a fact right now, if the season were to start tomorrow, Tagovailoa would be the number two quarterback behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. He will have jumped over Josh Rosen and Jake Rudock. I think the Dolphins will put Jake Rudock back down on the practice squad. Uh, I know there are talks about Rosen being traded. Um, And a lot of people are like, you know, it was a mistake for you to draft Tua. It's like, no, it's not. Um, Because Rosen lost his starting job twice last season. So, sure, you can make the argument that he's gone through – Five offenses in five years, it's just not an ideal situation. But, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, it doesn't matter that he's a veteran. He came in trying to learn the same offense. It doesn't matter how many offenses you've seen in your career, no matter short or long. If you can't adjust to an offense, you're going to be replaced. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if Rosen gets traded, great. That means we get a player, we get a pick for a player. Um, It's just not working out. And it's not, there's no resentment against the guy, but if he's not going to work in our scheme, what we're trying to do, I don't take anything away from that. He's probably trying his best to do what he needs to do. It's just not working. Um, So that's why, you know, Tua, that's one of the reasons why Tua is above him. Um, And, you know, looking at him as a franchise guy, it makes sense that he would be the next guy up if Ryan Fitzpatrick had to come out of a game for some reason. Um, And at this point, we need to see if Tua can fit in our system. We know Rosen can't. So if Rosen's going to be the backup to the backup and he only has to come in when, you know, God forbid something happens to Fitzpatrick or Tagovailoa, then, you know, that's his role right now. So I have no doubt in my mind that Fitzpatrick's going to be the starter this season um, and the season's really going to dictate if Tua plays at all. Uh, and it might be a Patrick Mahomes situation where he's not the starter until two seasons from now.
0: Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, interesting uh, quarterback. Uh, highs and lows with him. There's Fitz Magic. There's Fitz Tragic. Um, he's uh, let's. It's such interesting to watch him because he can make so many great plays in a game, be awesome, be dynamic. Then he can be the complete flip side and just be awful. Um, yeah. I guess the careful thing that they have to do with Fitzpatrick and with Tua is if Fitzpatrick's fits tragic in one of these games not doing the panic move and putting pulling him just to put Tua in because Fitzpatrick's bad and it, it's it's just a very careful situation that if it's if handled improperly it, it can I want to say ruin but can have a negative effect on Tua and his uh, development and in progress as an NFL quarterback.
1: Right. I think if, you know, it gets to the point where Fitzpatrick, you know, is tossing four interceptions by halftime and he has 50 yards, which, you know, we've seen him do when he is Fitz tragic. And, you know, let's just say that happens to be early on in the season. Without a doubt, I think Rosen comes in over Tua. I think, you know, with the offensive line possibly having five new starters in five positions, you'd be dumb. To put Tagalila back there, you're not going to do it. You're going to get him injured. Nobody is. Nobody knows how the other plays. Everybody's trying to learn the scheme. So I think you know that's really when we would see Josh Rosen for two quarters. You know the final quarter or whatever. Uh, but as long as you know Fitzpatrick continues to play, even mediocre at best, he's going to stay in there.
0: Yeah, it's important to to have a plan and to stick to the plan because once they make the decision. To let's say, if they make the decision to pull Fitzpatrick for Tua, you got to stick with it. You can't yo-yo them to back and forth. I mean, yeah. I've seen it happen in Cleveland many times where they where they put in a rookie, but then they put the veteran in the next game, or they put the rookie in for a couple games and pull him for the veteran because the rookie's playing like a rookie and bad. Make a plan, make a decision, stick with it. That's that's what I'm. That's what I say. But uh, when it comes to Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen seems to be. Man, it's hard to to put into words what's happening with Josh Rosen because he he came in through the draft, was very, uh, I'll call it cocky on his draft day, saying he's going to make all these teams ahead of him, Uh, regret not picking him. Already traded once, future Miami seems doubtful. Uh, How did you feel when Miami traded for him, and do you feel that his time in Miami is really coming to an end sooner than later?
1: Um, So I agree with the trade. I think, you know, Arizona, in my opinion, messed up firing Steve Wilkes after one season and, you know, moving on from Josh Rosen. Um, I think you need more than one season, like I said earlier, to have a sample size of what a player can do. So Arizona was saying they wanted to get rid of him. So for a Dolphins team that needs some type of quarterback, he was just a first-round pick the draft prior. So you're going to – sure, you give up a second-round pick, but it's not a first-round pick. And there are so many other picks that came with Miami, you know, throughout that that draft year and in the years – this year and the years coming that, you know, sure, it's a second-round pick, but in the big scheme of things, they didn't need the pick. So if, if you can trade for a guy who might be your guy going forward um, and you have every reason to believe that he could be, why not take the chance? I was for the trade. It seemed like they were going to do it before the, the draft even started. So I was anticipating it. Um, and, you know, the Cardinals asking Price was a second round pick. So when it came to the second round, I was like, all right, the phones have to be ringing. Like it's going to come up on the screen. And sure enough, it did. So I think – You know, Miami made a smart move in trying to just test it out because you potentially get a first round franchise guy for a second round cost. So I'm not upset that it didn't really work out. I think it was a smart move. Um, I think, I do think Rosen's time in Miami is coming to an end. I can see right now the Dolphins rather re signing Fitzpatrick as a backup after his contract expires this year. Than keeping Rosen's bigger contract um, I know that you know they signed Fitzpatrick for multiple years because they knew that they would try to groom a quarterback and they want his veteran expertise so if I'm Miami I want Fitzpatrick as my backup for the next two years after this like I can worry about having a more solidified backup in the years to come while I'm making sure that I have a mentor for Tagovailoa and you know finally starting to work out the kinks to really having the franchise guy. So um, I think Rosen could stay on the roster as a third guy, not really see the field, but knowing Rosen, he's going to request a trade or he's not going to, you know, renew his contract when it comes up in a couple years. And um, whether he stays on the roster or not, his time of playing is definitely pretty much over, I think, except for the scenario that we just recently talked about.
0: Okay. Let me present to you an all out nightmare scenario. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Um, or let me let me put it this way: a, a, a scale of one to ten, one being not a big deal, ten to ten being oh shit, this is might blow up in our face. Um, <clears throat> you're starting to field trade calls for Josh Rosen. The phone rings. On the other end of the line is Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. On a scale of one to ten, from not a big deal to oh shit, should we be panicked? Where are you at on that? As
1: in, like. Oh shit! We're like we might be trading Rosen to an an inner division team,
0: or we might be trading Rosen, and Bill Belichick might fix him and continue to win the division.
1: Um, honestly, like a three.
0: Okay, I'm just wondering because you know everyone everyone should always uh, <laughs> double check what they're doing. If you know the Patriots or Belichick comes calling, because it's it's always a uh, it's always uh, usually the person who's trading with New England is the person that ends up losing the deal. So that's why I was just wondering, <laughs> especially yeah. considering it's a division rival too. So,
1: Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, I think Belichick could implement, you know, ways that the offense could be more successful with Rosen than, say, they might be this year, no matter if they go with Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer. So, yeah, you might see Rosen's career, you know, just improve. And, you know, as, a, as someone who likes the Dolphins, Um, I also understand that, you know, sometimes individual building in someone's career, like, you have to root for that. Mm. I have nothing against Josh Rosen. It sucks the way that his NFL career has has gone, no matter how cocky he was. You don't want to see somebody give up on you after first year and then the team that – you know, you just didn't fit in with, kind of give up on you again. I mean, that's just not an ideal scenario. And I'd like for him to be able to find a spot. Um, I mean, he's obviously drafted where he was for a reason. He can play. You see bursts of it in every game that he was in. So if it happens to be New England, sure, that's a little disappointing. I'd rather him go out to a different division. But I really don't feel like Josh Rosen is the type of player that comes around and is the face of a franchise for 20 years.
0: Okay. I just wanted to get your you know, idea on that. Uh, yeah. Since so many teams have been burned by the Patriots yeah. before.
1: <laughs> and so have we, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I got to get your opinion on something. Uh, the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're heading in the right, right direction? Do they have their quarterback? Uh, do you think this team is going to implode again?
1: Um, okay. Lots of questions into one. So yeah, I think just kind of touch uh, on them. Okay. Um, I think, I think the Browns are heading in the right direction. I think Freddie Kitchens was not the answer. I think he was hired prematurely into a place that his mindsets and what he wanted to do weren't going to work from the get go. Um, I think the Browns had a very talented roster last year that they were able to even improve on this year. Um, and it just comes down to the players were not wanting to do what the coach wanted to do. Um, I think Stefanski makes the case and gives these players the opportunity to be the team that they are on paper. I mean, having Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, sure, you know, it was a little rocky in the beginning of the season because both guys thought that they should be getting the ball more. But as the season went on, Baker found a way to you know, give Jarvis the touchdowns and still use OBJ throughout the field to rack up his yards. So he found a balance there. Um, and Joku was obviously injured and they struggled with tight ends, but, um, they brought in Austin Hooper and that's having, being able to play with those two wide receivers and having a two tight end set when you already have a monster of a running back and a great pass catching back and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt respectively, uh, you know, I was on the 100th episode of our Full Press Fantasy podcast just last Sunday live, and we had a question from a viewer whether we would rather have um, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, or Baker Mayfield as our as our quarterback. And my two podcasts and I, we split. Um, and I said Baker Mayfield. And Ian Glendon, the editor-in-chief of Full Press Coverage, he was on there with us. And, you know, he sided with me because of the weapons that – Cleveland has the new direction that they're going, um, and I believe in Baker Mayfield. Uh, I think after a quarterback's first year, the league then has tape and knows how they need to guard him, how they need to play him, what they need to do, and now, so usually their second year is a little rocky. Um, so it didn't surprise me that he struggled last year. Um, so I think now that you know that year is now in the in the past, he's. He's the type of quarterback that will be able to continue doing what he was doing, improve his game even more. And all the weapons he has can only help him. Uh, I wish, you know, Miami's offense had a chance to have, have their starting lineup look like Cleveland's did as weird as that sounds. (laughs) I'm way more confident seriously. And the weapons Cleveland has in all the different positions on their roster. And I think, even if it's not immediate or it doesn't all come together this first year and years to come, if they keep all these guys on the roster, it makes sense. They just have to not, you know, be selfish with one another and just do what's best for the team.
0: Yeah. The weapons I have, I have no problem uh, with the weapons. I think they're fantastic. They improve their offensive line. My issue is just, can the quarterback get them the ball accurately and on time and make the right play? Uh, I, I we've seen times where he has, and that's been against bad teams. We've seen times where he hasn't, and that's been against good teams. And yeah, I mean some of it was an adjustment period for defenses with tape after his rookie year, but he was he was bad against the good teams and good against the bad teams, which is I guess concerning considering how highly he was viewed after his rookie campaign, I guess, is that he seemed more average than Superstar which he appeared after his last eight games of his rookie
1: season. Yeah, I can see that angle. Um, I don't know, I, I still feel confident in what I said, so <laughs> uh, okay. I, I do I do recognize what you're saying though too.
0: Yeah, you know. You know eventually just everything I don't know. I mean <clears throat> I'm I'm not high on Mr. Baker Mayfield, uh only only because it's just it seems like It's maybe too much for him. I don't know. He just looked absolutely awful last year. And sure, some of it uh, wasn't his fault. Some of it was his fault. I mean, I just... Everything that could have gone wrong for him went wrong. And he looked about as bad as bad can be. And that was... Some very misleading stat lines for him during some some games, which uh, some people use to try and prop him up a little bit. But I'm like, he still was bad. (laughs) Right. So that's just the way I see it. Um, Let me ask you two more questions about the Dolphins. Then I'll let you go and carry on with the rest of your day. Uh, Favorite all-time Dolphins player? Favorite current Dolphins player?
1: Okay. Um, favorite all-time has to be Jason Taylor. Um, he is the uh, team logo of one of my fantasy teams, um, and that fantasy team is called Kayla's Boy Toys, so you can use <laughs> imagination and however you want <laughs> with that. But no, I just I, I follow what Jason does in the community, um, his charities, and just the way he carries himself on and off the field, it was always a joy watching him. I've had a Jason Taylor jersey on my Christmas list since I was 10 years old, so it's been on there. It's going on 13 years that I have wanted a Jason Taylor jersey. Um, I'll never forget, you know, his pick sixes or just his monster sacks, and it helps that he's really attractive to look at. So <laughs> I, I I, really like what he does on and off the field and just the path that he paid for a lot of incoming Dolphins players that I feel like you can still make a case that they use them today. Um, let's see your favorite current Dolphins player. That is a great question. Um, like Xavier Howard just because of the way he plays but I'd be lying to you if I wasn't excited to always see Ryan Fitzpatrick like I I thought he was a unique guy uh just you know playing for so many teams in the NFL and I recently got I I finally just did it I ordered a uh there's a shirt out there that is called fits the magic and it's the Dolphins logo that's cartoonified into a Fitzpatrick dolphin with huge beard, huge puffy hair, some chains, you know how he showed up to the press conference in Tampa Bay. Yes, um, I do. <laughs> I think I think I'm just excited that he has is giving the team excitement. I mean, I didn't expect the team to really win as much as they did last year. So when he kept getting on the field and he was making plays happen, it was just fun overall because, you know, I came into the game expecting them to be killed a lot of the times. And, you know, when he would do good and make other teams better, I mean, he won me a fantasy championship last year. I streamed him in week 16 when they played the Bengals and I beat a guy with, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. You might have started Lamar Jackson, like, in our two-quarterback system. Like, my team, you know, was pretty balanced, but Ryan Fitzpatrick was the helm. So, I will ride somebody who wins me a fantasy championship until I die. So, I I just think Fitzpatrick's really cool. All
0: right. Uh, You mentioned a two-quarterback fantasy league. I did that one time, and I had RG3 when he was a rookie, so his dynamic year. And I want to say my other quarterback might have been Matthew Stafford. So okay. it, was a, it was a pretty good combo. You get like the all-around stats from RG3 and, you know, Matthew Stafford throwing for like 5,000 yards and thirty yeah. touchdowns. So uh, unfortunately, my team crapped out in the playoffs, but uh, I was one of the higher scoring teams up till then. Uh, but sometimes that happens.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely not doing the two quarterback league anymore. That's a that's a rule change that uh, I'm the league manager of, and you know was voted in last year and it was voted out pretty quickly. So, um, which I'm fine with. Um, but yeah, I think just because of how much I do fantasy football, I knew the matchup was awesome. So it was kind of cool just to be able to cheer for somebody who's actually going to do well on our team that week. So I don't know. Just all in all, I think he's he's a, he's a hilarious guy. But he also does a lot. I'm big for, you know players who make a difference off the field too. I mean, one of my favorite players of all time is Larry Fitzgerald. So, um, that kind of just falls into the realm of, you know, how I view football players and, you know, how they can make a difference with their platform. So, yeah. So Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jason Taylor, they definitely look a lot different, but, (laughs) you know, I still like him.
0: (laughs) I mean, two great picks, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jason Taylor, um, Jason Taylor, definitely an all-time great Dolphin. Ryan Fitzpatrick, an entertaining Dolphins player, let's put it that way. Um, And definitely should be able to provide some uh, entertaining games this upcoming season. and Maybe some wins, maybe maybe the Dolphins go on a run.
1: Yeah, I think it's possible, for sure. We just did, uh, my staff and I just did a too early season prediction kind of thing. I like to do that before they get to training camps and we solidify and go more in depth for uh, the way the season goes. And I really try to do, you know, it as unbiasedly as possible as I do with all my reporting. And, you know, I do a lot of research. I look at, you know, histories between the teams and how everything goes. And uh, without even trying to, I gave them a 10 and 6 record. So I think, you know, with the playoff expansion, that gets them in the wild card. It it gives them a chase for the division. Um, I think I'll, I'll stick with wild card. I don't think they will win the division, but uh, I think Buffalo has that in hand. So we'll see.
0: R- where do you have the Patriots fallen?
1: Um, probably around 500. I okay. think.
0: Just, you know, interesting. Cause, uh, you know, the opinions on the Patriots and you know, what what they'll do this upcoming season. It, it varies honestly. Uh, it's really dependent on whether you think Bill Belichick's going to be able to find some magic uh, or if people that have been saying Tom Brady is the person that's made the whole thing work for 20 years are going to be proven to be true.
1: Yeah, I think that's an interesting dynamic. I mean, I'm definitely not going to write them off just because of their coaching staff and how, how many players they do have returning, even if it's not the big flashy names on either side of the football. Um I think it's a combination. I mean, I'm definitely not as high on Tom Brady as a lot of people. Um, I mean, for many reasons, but when you dump a ball off behind the line of scrimmage and then they run for eight yards and that seemed to be very consistent throughout his career. And, you know, that's not denying that he'll throw bombs or he'll make great plays, but you know, I could do that too. If I had an offensive line blocking from here, I had a speedy guy like Julian Edelman that could juke. So Um, I'm not convinced that it's Brady, Um, but I think it'll be really telling if, you know, the Patriots go on to win a Super Bowl in the next few years or Brady brings Tampa a Super Bowl. Um, But I think it also helps that Brady has a team with more weapons now. Mm -hmm. So, again, the argument that it's Brady is kind of not as much true as it is false. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, inevitably, either way, how Brady performs this year, it's going to just bring forth more arguments for and against him being good or for and against his weapons.
1: Yeah, and honestly, I don't really give a shit how he does. He's not my (laughs) division anymore, and it's great.
0: (laughs) Oh, man, I I feel the same way uh, in regards to the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger. So once he's gone, uh, it's party time.